Hello, and welcome to Nothing Ever Happens in Canada, and I'm Canadian Girl. Thanks for joining me today. So how was everyone's Thanksgiving? Mine was fabulous. I had family come to visit, and we went and spent some time exploring the beautiful Rocky Mountains here in Canada. We had a wonderful meal cooked by my cousin that was just delicious, and I'm feeling fully recharged. I'm thankful for all that. I'd love to hear what you guys did, and I hope you enjoyed your holidays as well. Now let's dive into the freshwater seas, known as the Great Lakes of Canada, and discover some shipwreck history. The Great Lakes are the largest freshwater bodies in North America. There is five in total. Lake Erie, Lake Huron, Lake Michigan, Lake Ontario, and Lake Superior. They have been sailed on since the 1700s and are known to be very temperamental. Historian Mark Thompson claims that an estimated 25,000 ships have been lost on the lakes. Even stranger, many shipwrecks have never been found. Now let's get swimming in Lake Ontario and see what we can find. The HMS Ontario was the largest British warship on the Great Lakes at the time. And if you were curious like me, HMS stands for Her Majesty's Ship. She had 22 cannons and was 80 feet in length. Her sole purpose was to ferry troops, supplies, and prisoners across the Great Lakes, also flashing her presence to onlooking American ships thinking the Great Lakes may not be protected as the American Revolutionary War was going on at the time. The HMS Ontario never actually saw battle and only sailed for five months. She sank in a storm on October 31st, 1780 in Lake Ontario. On that day, a crew of 130 people perished Forty of the crew members were Canadian. The tragedy was hid for many years to hide the great loss for the military. Then, for almost 230 years, she is never seen again. In June 2008, Jim Kennard and Dan Scoville, using sonar technology, discovered the 230-year-old mystery lying untouched and undisturbed in Lake Ontario, 492 feet down between Niagara region and Rochester, New York. It is a very difficult spot to dive. This is why sonar technology was used. Seen on the sonar imaging 
a large warship resting straight up with two large masts reaching 70 feet above the lake floor. Two crow's nests could be seen on the screen clear as day. It is the oldest intact British warship in the Great Lakes. It is so well preserved due to the cold fresh water and the depth of its resting place where it is often undisturbed. The lack of light and oxygen also play a key role. The exact location has never been revealed as it is treated as a British war grave and should remain that way. If you want to see a to-scale model of the warship, it can be found at the Royal Military College of Ontario, located in Kingston. Our next stop in Lake Ontario brings us to the HMS Toronto. She was a Royal Navy schooner armed with four cannons. Her main duty was to ferry government officials from York, today this is Toronto, to Upper Canada's former capital of Newark, today this is Niagara-on-the-Lake. In 1812, she sank just off Hanlon's Point in Toronto Islands and broke apart. Now let's keep swimming and see what else we can find. We found the HMS St. Lawrence from the War of 1812. This is a very popular dive site. The HMS St. Lawrence was a 12-gun, top-notch wooden ship that was a part of the Royal Navy and used to deter the U.S. fleet. The British had undisputed command of Lake Ontario with the HMS St. Lawrence sailing around. She was originally built in Kingston, Ontario and has never actually sailed the St. Lawrence River. At 194 feet, she was just too large. She has never actually seen battle either. Her sole job was to patrol Lake Ontario until she was decommissioned in 1815. After that, in 1832, she is sold to Robert Drummond for 25 pounds and became the end of the pier attached to the Motrin's Brewing Company in Kingston, Ontario. In the end, she ended up sinking right there, 30 feet below the water's surface. Today, it is in Wellesley Island State Park in Ontario. Though she is one of the few remaining warships from 1812, the vessel today is mostly rotted away. The lower hull and ribs of the ship are all that remain. In 2015, she was recognized as a National Historic Site of Canada, along with the two other ships that are located in the same area, the Princess Charlotte and the Prince Regent. This spot is said to be very easy to dive for beginners.
Now hold on tight, we're off to Lake Erie. Here we find the P.S. Anthony Wayne, also known as General Wayne. It was an early wooden hauled side-wheeled steamship. She had two 28-inch paddle wheels that could be seen on either side. Here, the P.S. before her name means paddled steamer. She was carrying about 50 to 70 people and 300 barrels of high-quality wine and whiskey. Just outside of Vermilion, Ontario, her boilers exploded on the harbor side and on April 28, 1850, she sank and was not seen again until 2006 when she was discovered. In 2016, she was recognized on a list, the National Registration of Historic Places, as the oldest steamboat wreck on the Great Lakes. Next, we stop just off of Long Point, Ontario, and take a look at the P.S. Atlantic, a paddle-wheeled steamer, around 2 a.m. on August 20th, 1852, the P.S. Atlantic collided with another ship. Reports say at last minute the Atlantic changed course, turning north and attempting to pass in front. It was hit on the port side and the other ship involved continued on without stopping. The P.S. Atlantic began to take on water immediately after the crash, but was unaware. This caused the boilers to stop working and utter panic began. The first problem, there was only three lifeboats on board. Upon lowering the lifeboats, one capsized and two were mostly filled with crew members. Also, the captain was knocked out during this event, so the chaos continued to get worse. The 500 to 600 passengers that were on board began throwing things over that would float in attempts to save themselves and others. The other ship had originally collided with the P.S. Atlantic return 10 minutes later after hearing screams in the distance and found that the Atlantic half sank, all but the stern was left floating with many survivors standing on top. They were quickly rescued, and shortly after, the stern sank entirely. This terrible night became the fifth worst single vessel disaster on the Great Lakes, with a loss of life around 200 people. In 1856, a diver was sent to the P.S. Atlantic safe and recovered $36,700. A legal battle over the cause of the ship's sinking went to the Supreme Court of the U.S., who found both parties at fault. He stated the Atlantic did change course abruptly, causing the crash, but the other ship involved also had faulty lighting on it and contributed to the crash as well.
For 132 years, she rests quietly until Port Dover, Ontario diver Michael Lynn Fletcher discovered her 150 feet off Long Point shore. The government of Ontario moved to protect the removal of artifacts from the P.S. Atlantic. They took it to the divisional court and the judge ruled it was in Canadian waters so it belonged to Ontario. To protect the wreck, an electronic monitoring system is in place and it will alert the Ontario Provincial Police if a vessel stays too long above it or near it. It's Black Friday on Lake Erie and things are about to get rough. On October 20th, 1916, one of the worst storms to hit Lake Erie strikes. Four ships and 58 sailors were lost. The first to go down, the James B. Colgate. It claimed to be the unsinkable ship it was a whaleback steamer, also known as a cigar boat based on its shape. The steamer was no match for the 120 kilometer winds that lasted for hours. She sank bow first around 10 p.m. And due to the amount of water in her cargo, the ship's pumps could not empty fast enough. The storm was so severe, an Alberta clipper merged with a hurricane that came up from the Gulf of Mexico. Captain Walter Grishaw, this was his first voyage as a captain. He had been working on the ship for the past 10 years and was finally given the wheel. Thankfully, he was one of the few survivors found clinging to a life raft. The captain spent 35 hours in a lifeboat and was picked up 30 kilometers north of Port Stanley, about 100 kilometers from where his ship went down. He claimed he felt as though he had rode a never-ending roller coaster. His ship was later discovered in 1991, just off of Long Point, Ontario. The Marshall F. Butters would be the next to go down. A 164 foot wooden lumber carrier who was headed to Cleveland was taken over by waves. The crew was fortunate enough to be rescued by nearby ships and steamers and they were the only full crew to survive their ship going down that day. The third vessel to go down that day was the D.L. Filer a wooden 16-foot schooner. To this day, its resting spot remains a mystery. She is one of the lost ships of the Great Lakes. The D.L. Filer was being pulled by a steam barge who left it anchored 
to fetch a second ship, but once the storm began, it was unable to return, and the schooner's anchor began to drift. The captain, John Matheson, ordered all of his crew members to climb the tallest mast and hold on. The captain climbed up the second mast, which was much shorter. The large mast holding the crew snapped, tumbling into the waves. Only one crew member managed to make it back to the second mast and hung on with the captain. A steamer called the Western States stopped to rescue the two men. During this rescue attempt, the crew member was lost, but the captain was rescued. The last and final ship to go down on this terrible Black Friday storm is the Meridia. She was a Canadian steamer that disappeared very late in the night. At 380 feet, she was the largest bulk ship on the Great Lakes at the time. She was last seen being violently attacked by waves. All 23 crew members and captain perished. Her wooden wheelhouse was found floating near Port Stanley the next morning. Now let's see what we can find in Lake Michigan. she is, the Lady Elgin. She was a side wheel steamboat with a wooden hull and was known as the Queen of the Great Lakes. She was a stately excursion boat. She is also unfortunately known as the worst tragedy on the Great Lakes. The Lady Elgin was traveling on a path towards the schooner, the Augusta, the Augusta, who was full of lumber at the time, hit a wave which threw it right into the port side of Lady Elgin, who immediately began to take on water. It was 2.30 a.m., and she would go down in exactly half an hour. The Augusta had minimal damage and sailed on. Meanwhile, the captain of Lady Elgin tried tremendously to save as many people as he could throwing objects over the edge, handing out life jackets. It's even said that a man was able to float all the way to shore on a drum. In the end, he was killed trying to save two women. That day, over 1,000 children were orphaned because of the tragedy, and 300 people lost their lives. Within 20 minutes of being hit, she broke apart, all but her bow, and sank rapidly. It rained for hours over Lake Michigan that night, and at 8 a.m. the next morning, survivors were finally rescued. It was nine miles to the shoreline from the accident. Many people died within 50 yards of the shore as their makeshift rafts broke apart in the shallows hitting on rocks in the middle of the night. 
It is the worst maritime accident on open waters. Four years later, new rules require all sailing ships to carry multiple running lights. The Augusta only had one running light at the time of the incident. The wreck is located about 50 to 60 feet deep on private land, so a permit is required to dive and explore what is left of the wreck. Now, let's check out Lake Superior. In 1902, the John B. Cowell, known as the Tin Pan, sailed the Great Lakes for seven years. On this night, heavy fog was reported and the John B. Cowell collided with another ship. It went down just off of Whitefish Point. This is near Sand Islands Provincial Park or by Sault Ste. Marie. The vessel split in two and sank immediately. 14 of the 24 crew members perished. Today, it is one of the most well-preserved shipwrecks in Lake Superior. At 215 feet deep, it is a popular but tricky dive to make. The ship was loved so much, it was rebuilt two years later and the ship lasted till 1978. Here's a little Great Lake love story, as I like to call it. In 1919, the Myron and the Miztec go sailing together and hit a terrible storm. The Myron goes down and the Miztec survives. And in 1921, while being towed, the Miztec is hit by another storm and sank. The Miztec sinks by a shipping lane and over time her salt cargo dissolves. The Miztec begins to move along the bottom of the lake to deeper waters where it comes to rest right beside its long lost love, the Myron. These two ships were destined to be together. They can both also be found off of Whitefish Point. In the Whitefish Point area alone, it is said that over 240 shipwrecks have occurred. Our next stop is the SS Scotia Dock. It is a 424 foot long, 48 feet wide, dry bulk freighter and on June 20th 1953 just off of Trove Bridge Island also known as the Sleeping Giant near Northwest Thunder Bay the night was said to be heavy with fog and with rain and visibility was poor the SS Scotia Dock was rammed by a Canadian steamer named the Burlington it was hit on the starboard side near the stern and the Scotia dock went down. Thankfully, only one crew member passed away in that accident. The Scotia dock was found in 2013 and is one of the deepest shipwrecks in the Great Lakes 
at 850 feet, 260 meters, the ship's name can still be read on the side to this day, and she rests just off of the tip of the sleeping giant. Now off to the most famous sinking of them all, the Titanic of the Great Lakes. On November 9, 1975, the Edmund Fitzgerald left with the Arthur M. Anderson. The Fitzgerald took the lead and the afternoon voyage began. The two ships were in constant contact as there was a November storm coming and these storms were known across the Great Lakes to be treacherous. Both captains agreed to take the northerly course across Lake Superior. They took shelter by Whitefish Point. The Fitzgerald was the largest ship to ever sink to date at 729 feet and 25,000 tons of cargo the entire crew of 29 people vanished shortly after 7 p.m. She rests 27 kilometers from Whitefish Point at 530 feet deep. The last message received from the captain was, we're holding our own. No distress signals were ever seen or received. And to this day, it is unclear why she sank. Some point to the use of outdated maps. There are tons of theories regarding this famous ship, and I'll leave them for you to discover on your own, as we would need a whole other episode just to go through them. Last stop on this Great Lake tour, Lake Huron. Hold on, everybody. Lake Huron suffered a great storm in 1913. It was November and the Great Lakes were cursed with terrible storms in this month. The winds were 145 kilometers an hour. Waves were 35 feet high. It was nicknamed the White Hurricane or the Freshwater Fury. The storm was so intense that it lasted from November 7th to the 10th. The strongest day was the 9th. All the lakes suffered from this storm except for Ontario and Huron it was hit the hardest. This storm of 1913 is still known as the deadliest natural disaster on the Great Lakes to date. Around five million dollars in ships were lost during the storm. That's close to 125 million today. 68,000 tons of cargo like wheat, iron, and coal were lost. Today's value, that's around a million dollars. The storm at its worst lasted 16 hours straight with most of the ships sinking in southwest Lake Huron where it was hit the hardest. Waves were 35 feet tall and came in threes in succession, it is said. The wind was also blowing in opposite direction of the waves. This rarely ever happens. In Lake Huron alone, seven ships went down. Roughly 220 lives were lost. 
Twelve ships sank in total across the lakes, and two have never been found to date. So what's going on in these great lakes? And why do you think ships are lost and never found again? Some suspect many ships are lost in the deep, deep sediment that lies on the bottom of these giant great lakes. They are powerful bodies of fresh water and can at times become treacherous, especially in November as we have seen. They are full of secrets, lost treasure, and many lost souls. And we may never find all the secrets they have to tell, but for now we have some, and they are very unique. I hope you enjoyed our dive into the Great Lakes and exploring some of its shipwreck history. Until next time, I'm Canadian Girl. Thanks for listening. I just wanted to make a quick recommendation. If you're looking for info on the Great Lakes and shipwrecks, check out a podcast, Into the Portal, Episode 13, The Great Lakes Triangle, Part 1, Shipwrecks. They have some fascinating info that I think you will enjoy as well. Of course, I will include their link in the show notes, but you can find them anywhere you listen to your podcasts. Again, they're called Into the Portal. It's episode 13, The Great Lakes Triangle, part 1, Shipwrecks. We're finally on Apple Podcasts. I just wanted to let you all know. And you know what that means. If you're enjoying this podcast, I'd ask you to head over there and give us a review or a like It helps people notice our podcast so we can get more awesome listeners like you. Thanks so much. I want to take a second again to thank Anchor. I just love this app and it just keeps improving so much. They've added some new features with the music and I'm able to edit my voice recordings a little bit, which I am learning, so bear with me. But yes, This app is truly fabulous, and if you're wanting to make a podcast like me, give it a try. They're improving every day, and it's pretty easy to use. I haven't used a computer once for this entire podcast. Every single episode I have recorded on my phone using the Anchor app, so check them out. And to you guys who always listen to the very, very end, you already know. You're my favorite people in the whole world. I hope you enjoy your day. Thanks for joining me. I'm Canadian Girl. Want to help support the show? You can do that in three simple ways. The first one, you can leave us a shiny 5-star review on Apple Podcasts. 
This small gesture means so much to this podcast as it allows us to move around on the podcast charts and meet more awesome listeners like you. The second, you can stop by our souvenir shop and pick up a souvenir from one of our great adventures and take it on your very own. There's t-shirts, water bottles, notebooks, and so much more. Do head over to our souvenir shop today and grab some adventure gear. And finally, the third way you can help support the show is by donation. We have a fancy PayPal button that can be found on the top right of our webpage, nothingcanada.com. This button allows you the option to donate as much as you want, whenever you want. All donations will be used for the channel by buying new books for research, paying for the podcast website, and upgrading equipment. All three links to help support the show, of course, can be found in the show notes below. I thank you all so much for your support of the show. It means the world to me.